Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Well, there was that. I mean, there's no other real way to explain or to summarize how the New Orleans Saints appeared yet again on Sunday. Uh, Another proper description would be Woof. They look like a bad football team. Bad football teams make those kind of mistakes. Bad football teams look like that. And I know it's only three games into the season. But maybe the Saints are just a bad football team. I mean, the NFC South itself isn't very good. The Bucks aren't very good. They look awful, yet they're still winning. But the Saints look... Absolutely 100% dreadful. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We'll be here for you for the next three hours. Yet another rough weekend for many of you out there listening. Especially the Raging Cajun slash Saints fans. Woof. We're going to get to it all. And we're going to be here for you if you need to call and talk to somebody. Feels like it's going to be one of those Mondays. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. we got three guests lined up today. Jeff Palermo will help us recap LSU. Nice, clean, shutout victory for them against New Mexico. We'll do so with Jeff Palermo at 7.30 at 8 o'clock. Our old friend from the Sporting News who covers the National Football League, Vinny Iyer. Will give us his thoughts on what he's seen through the first three weeks of the season because not only have the Saints been bad, I'm going to say it as well. The product 
that the NFL has put forth through three weeks has not been good. There's some really bad football being played. And I'm just not talking about the Denver-San Francisco game last night. Ooh. Really? Really? We'll talk that about all that with Vinny at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, Logan Graffio will join us for the Big Easy Blitz to try to put a bow on what in the tar nation is going on with the New Orleans Saints. We got to start there. Now, this is worth noting. The last two times the Saints started a season one and two, which they currently sit. Remember, they needed the improbable comeback to beat the Falcons, then lose in awful fashion to the Bucks, and then look just dreadful yesterday against Carolina. The last two times the Saints started seasons one and two, they didn't lose again for a while. In 2020, they started one and two. After week 13, they were 10 and two. 2017, they started off one and two. After week 11, they were eight and two. So, recent history shows that the Saints can overcome an awful start to the season. Both of those times, you had Sean Payton and Drew Brees in some sort of capacity. So the team's a little different would be the best way to describe that. And lots of complaints yesterday, once again, about Jameis Winston. Winston was 20 of 31 for 245 yards and no interceptions. So he didn't have a great game, but he wasn't terrible. But Alvin Kamara fumbled. Eric McCoy fumbled. Will Lutz gets a kick blocked and then misses a field goal. Multiple penalties across the board. And once again, questionable play calling. The defense gave up another 100-yard rusher. Christian McCaffrey ran for over 100 yards against the Saints defense. In two of the three games this season, the team has surrendered a 100-yard rusher. That's supposed to be one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Not on point yet. The bigger thing that I've noticed now through three games, and it was apparent during yesterday's loss to the Carolina Panthers, was that the line and Jameis aren't picking up the blitz. Teams are just saying, we're just going to blitz. And Jameis and Eric McCoy and the rest of the offensive line aren't picking up the blitz. That's a big concern. Don't know if it's the pre-snap identifications or the rotations aren't there or whatever it might be. Probably a combination of the of the two. But they're not picking up the blitz. And Carolina has a good defense, but it's not great. 
And how is this team so bad? That's the bigger question, right? You you improved your roster from a year ago. You won nine games a season ago, barely missed out on the playoffs. And your roster got better. Jameis Winston is better than Trevor Simeon. Jameis Winston's better than Ian Book. You got a healthy Mike Thomas back. You added Chris Olave, who looks like the real deal, right? The kid looks like he belongs. Like he looks like a number one, number two wide receiver in the NFL. You add Jarvis Landry. Kamara is avoiding suspension for now. You had Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. By the way, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May missing tackles. Defense missed tackles. Your roster got better. The talent on the roster increased, and this team is playing worse. playing worse it's puzzling is it Dennis Allen's approach is it lack of discipline because yesterday during the game on four of the five Saints three and outs because they had five of them the offense committed at least one penalty to back them up Think about that. They had five three and outs on four of them. The offense committed a penalty. That's not winning football. That's not winning football. That's sloppiness. That's lack of execution. You're shooting yourselves in the foot before you even get things started. And they're doing this multiple times. Multiple times. Four turnovers, eight turnovers total, four interceptions, four fumbles. That's three games into the season. So not only is this team penalizing itself over and over again, they're turning over the football. Eight turnovers through three games? Woof. And once again, this is against two teams rebuilding in the Falcons and the Panthers. The Panthers look like they're going to fire their coach. Tampa Bay looks like a shell of itself. And the Saints are struggling against that level of competition. Against that level of competition. And the more infuriating thing... is this. The Saints have scored 13 points in the first three quarters of their three games. I'll say it for those in the back that may have just woke up. The Saints have scored a total of 13 points in the first three quarters of their first three games. That's nine quarters of football. And the Hoodats have rolled out 13 points. 
Woof. That's awful. Awful, 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 awful. The other thing that stood out to me is play calling. We can blame it on Jameis. We can blame it on the turnovers. We can blame it on the offensive line. We can blame it on a lack of execution and discipline by this team with the penalties. A lack of not being able to stop the run game. I keep getting told the defense is going to turn it around. Okay. Six times in yesterday's game. Six. The Saints opted to throw in they opted to throw the ball on first down which resulted in an incomplete pass and do you know what they decided to do right afterwards run the football six times in yesterday's loss to the Panthers incomplete pass on first down that means it's second and 10 let's run the football who's calling these plays I'm sorry, Pete Carmichael has not done a good job calling plays through three games. Everyone wants to make Jameis the scapegoat. I get it. This team is not prepared. This team is sloppy overall. That falls on Dennis Allen. The play calling is suspect. It just is. Bad play calling, Pete Carmichael. Bad organization, bad preparation, Dennis Allen. Bad quarterback play, that's on Jameis. Bad offensive line, that's on the offensive line. Bad rush defense, that's on the defense. Just unbelievable. The Saints have been shut out in the first half four times in 20 games since Drew Brees retired after the 2020 season. Four times. They were shut out four times in the first half in 228 games with him as the starter. They're not good offensively. The Panthers finished the first half yesterday with 97 yards of offense. That's it. One of six on first down. So less than 100 yards, one of six on first down, and Baker Mayfield was sacked three times in the first half. And they were beating the Saints 13 to nothing. Less than 100 yards of offense. Baker Mayfield was sacked three times, and they were one of six picking up first downs. And the Saints lost to a team that had lost nine straight games. And their coach was on the hot seat. Unbelievable. An awful performance. They avoided being shut out, at least. Scored some garbage time points. Yay. Got that going for them as they lost 22 to 14 just woof and on top of all that 
We find out afterwards that Mike Thomas now has a toe injury. Had to leave the game. Had a toe injury. Jarvis Landry has an ankle injury. And Traquan Smith has a concussion. So three of their wide receivers are now hurt. And they get to go to London and play at like 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Against a Vikings team that rallied to beat the Detroit Lions. It feels like it's going to be a long, long season. Try not to panic. Try not to hit that button. Try not to be negative. Really am. Really am. Because I'm not even a Saints fan. But, whoa. That's our poll question of the day. Is it time to panic about the Saints? Right now, 57% of you say yes. 26% say maybe. 17% say no. Ton on Twitter says, concerned? Definitely. QB1 is too hurt to play, but head coach isn't willing to bench him. Carmichael's play calling is iffy at best. This is correct. No one seems to know what a blitz is. Can't pick it up. And definitely don't know how to block it. Defense does pretty well, but they're out on the field way too much. But as well as the D is doing, they still can't stop a rusher. Making running backs look like greased pigs or greased lightning. <laughs> Hell, I think Hannah, RP3, Mesh, and Miguez could all be 100 yards rushers against the Saints D. You know, I do gain momentum once I start going downhill. Just saying. Power back. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I'm sorry, but it was time for them to panic after last week's game. Winston is in pain, and he does not loosen up until the fourth quarter. They need to put in the Geiger cannon until Winston is healed. He can't scramble, and his throws are off, sometimes way off. Dat Cajun says, this is what happens when you hire a coach with a previous record of 8-28. and 28. He was supposed to have learned from Sean, and he was going to be better. Yeah, he isn't. And Jacques Swallow says, we want the Red Rocket. Andy Dalton time. Ooh. Before the season began, Salty Steve brings us up. The people who set the lines in Vegas said the Saints were a seven-win team. This enraged Saints fans. There's a reason they build large casinos in Vegas and put experts in there and predict the outcome of games. New coach, suspect O-line, DBs are awful, no pass rush, poor running game, inconsistent play calling. You are what your record says you are. This is a seven-win team period. Oh, I forgot Aaron Brooks 2.0. Can't wait here. Wait to hear foot lose it. Best of luck, five names. <laughs> I'm pretty for certain. Saints would take Aaron Brooks right now. Just saying. Just saying. But the talent's better. That's the thing I don't understand. That's the thing I don't understand. You got Mike Thomas back. You added Jarvis Landry. You added Chris Olave. Those guys can ball out. You added Tyron Matthew. You added Marcus May. Your defense got better. Offensive line is not fixed. That is abundantly clear. Bad play calling by Pete Carmichael. And we did think Dennis Allen learned his job, right? Everyone struggles with the Raiders. By the way, the Raiders are 0-3, the only 0-3 team in the National Football League. Congratulations, Las Vegas. So everyone struggles with the Raiders' job, so you couldn't really hold that against DA. But, man, I don't know. He sure does not seem to have a, a good hold of things in New Orleans. 
Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments, your thoughts on Facebook and the Twitter. Jamie Green's on Twitter now. He may be able to leave his thoughts via Twitter now instead of Facebook. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Uh, The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age to play physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonuses issued as a free bet. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in is required. Parlay and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms are at DraftKings.com slash football terms. And licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. We're talking all things Houdats this morning, as expected. They fall to one and two on the season, and they looked awful. Just dreadful. In the loss to the Kitty Cats of Charlotte. Offensive line, not picking up blitzes. Jameis Winston, not picking up blitzes. Pete Carmichael, calling terrible plays. Offense committing penalties on all their, what, five of the six three and outs. They committed penalties to back themselves up. You pass on first down, you decide to run the football on second down. I don't know what Pete Carmichael's doing there. And defense is out there way too long and has given up 100-yard rushers. All in all, oh, don't forget about Will Lutz. Getting one blocked and missing another one. It is, so far, through three games, dreadful. And what sticks out more so is the fact that you've done this against two really bad teams. So if you're struggling against two really bad teams, doesn't that mean that you're bad? I, 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 that's just the question. If you're struggling against bad teams, doesn't that mean you're bad? Just going to ask it because they played seven of the eight quarters were awful on offense. And then they were shut out in the first half yesterday so let's just go ahead and make that nine quarters I just they look to be a little bit of a mess right now and they get to go to London on Sunday yay (laughs) outstanding let's head out to the hotline welcome on Chris to the show Chris 
Good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, buddy. You know, we, we may be telling our age right now, but I'm going to tell you something. It really feels like Jim Haslett and Aaron Brooks are back with the Saints. You know, the, the way the teams would kind of claw, play bad and then kind of claw their way. Um, and then at the end, maybe give themselves a chance to win. And, and it's not fun like that. But uh, I want to ask you, what what is it going to take for them to put in, and this is my question, for them to put in uh, Andy Dalton and maybe kind of spark the team? I know he can't play defense, but I just think maybe maybe put him in next week. Uh, I hope you all all have a great week, though. Who there? Chris, appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because Dennis Allen said afterwards, Jameis Winston's the starting quarterback. Getting these situations is kind of looking for, uh, you know, a, a, a place to to, uh, to place blame. Um, you know, th- th- there's enough mistakes to go around that that uh, uh, you know I don't really want to go there. Um, you know, I feel confident with Jameis. Certainly, we all need to do better, um, and and that's what we're going to do. Which is great. That's his guy. And look, is 34 or 35-year-old Andy Dalton the answer? Probably not. Probably not. But it's obvious to anyone who watches this team play. Does Jameis Winston look right to you? Through three games, does Winston look like the guy he was before he got injured last year? At any point has he looked that way? The answer is no. You, we know he has four stress fr- fractures in his back. We know he's also, we find this out last week, heading into the game, he was dealing with an ankle injury. So here's a guy coming off having to have surgery in the offseason because his season was ended prematurely last year and required surgery, right? Surgery rehab. So coming off a shortened season due to surgery, Suffers four stress fractures in his back. And now is dealing with an ankle injury. It hasn't looked right throwing the football. Seems pretty simple to me. Seems pretty simple to me. Is Jameis Winston hobbled, hurt, playing in pain, trying to throw the football while in pain, a better option than 34-year-old Andy Dalton? Because if that's the case, then why are you paying Andy Dalton like $3 million to be the backup? This is why you brought him in, right? You brought in the Red Rifle, the former TCU Horn Frog, to do exactly this. Hey, we need someone to be a serviceable backup, a guy that can come in and spot us a couple of games if something happens to Jameis. That's why you paid him the money. That's why you signed him. That's why you brought him in. And and he's not doing anything? I, I think it's a legitimate question. Do I think Andy Dalton, at the age that he's at, is a better option than when Jameis Winston is healthy? No. But Jameis ain't healthy. It's abundantly clear when you see him play so far this season, he's not right. He's not right. 
I mean, if we can see it, if you can see it, if Hannah Five names can see it, if my daughter, who's eight years old, can see it, why isn't Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael seeing it? It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. We got to take a timeout. More Saints, more football, all coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. time to face your worst nightmares with the games the 13th gate giveaway we have your vip tickets for the legendary haunted house attraction that way you can scream over and over and over again while others have to wait in line your screams are going to make them even more scared think about it that way hannah's trying to get people to go she's trying to recruit the rest of us at the station and no one wanted to take her up on that Maybe you'll see Hannah there. She loves haunted house attractions. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. So you can score yourself a pair of VIP tickets to the 13th gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Once again, VIP tickets for 13th gate. Go get your scare on. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names will be there. She loves haunted house attractions. She loves being scared. Seriously, so if you see her out in the grocery store around Halloween, give her a scare. It'll be good times. <laughs> she actually does not like haunted house attractions. <laughs> it's not. It is not in her wheelhouse, as we like to say. Five names is not down for the haunted house attractions. Which made it so weird that you were texting everyone, well, who would be down to go to 13th gate? And I'm like, first of all, I'm too old for that. You know you know what would happen if I would roll up in 13th gate? Someone would scare me and my reaction would be to punch them. <laughs> That's exactly my reaction would be. Someone would jump out and I'd be like, Whoa! just I'd throw a punch or kick them. And no one wants that. And th- those fine people work really hard to scare people. They don't need the big, bald, and beautiful one assaulting them on a random Thursday night. Let's talk about something else that's scary. That's the New Orleans Saints right now. They are ooh, not good. Is it time to panic? Not necessarily. 2017, 2020, they started off those seasons one and two and then went on a winning streak for the, like the next 10 games. So they've proven that they can overcome a sluggish start. But this feels different, doesn't it? This feels different. 
Jameis is clearly hurt. You're playing him hurt. And you're not calling plays that are, I don't know, successful. You're just not. Once again, five of the six three and outs yesterday, they started off those drives, pass on first down, incomplete, run on second down, minimal yardage. That's not winning football. Offensive line not picking up the blitz. Jameis Winston not picking up the blitz. Pete Carmichael calling bad plays. Alvin Kamara, be great if he could just run tough all the time. I'm not trying to be picky here. I'm not trying to be mean, but just saying. Defense getting gassed and giving up, not being able to stop the run as well as they should. They got some pressure yesterday. They got they got some sacks. There you go. Will Lutz, what happened? Awful. Just awful. And they commit penalties, and they look. The bigger thing that stands out to me, and we want to focus on Jameis so much, and I get it, because in the era of fantasy football, we think of things in terms of stats, and we think of things in terms of the quarterback. We believe the quarterback is the end-all, be-all, and that everyone else can be awful. If the quarterback's great, it doesn't matter. That's not how it works. It's not how football works. It's not how it's constructed. But I get it. Do the New Orleans Saints look like they are a well-coached team? Anyone? Anyone believe they're a well-coached team right now? Because they're not. Whether it's play calling or preparation, they have been out-coached in three straight games. You thought Dennis Allen learned under Sean Payton. You thought Pete, Car- Pete Carmichael had learned, but this team doesn't look prepared. They're getting out-coached. The Saints were out-coached yesterday by Matt Rule. Think about that for a second. Matt Rule. That's the thing that stands out to me. Yes, Jameis playing poorly, obviously, stands out. Offensive line issues not being fixed, that stands out. Sloppiness. But this team doesn't look like they're prepared. This team doesn't look like they're being coached. They look like a poorly coached, poorly prepared team. Bad football teams look that way. I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. Once again, I'm not a Saints fan. I don't have a dog in this fight. My team got obliterated and shut out yesterday, as I expected. By the way, Philly looks like the real deal. They look really good. But this team just does not look like it's a well-coached football team. And if you look like you're not a well-coached football team, nine times out of ten, you're not a good football team. What about those offensive penalties? We talked about them on five of the six three and outs on Sunday. The offense committed penalties on five of those six 
three and outs. That helped contribute to them going three and out. Dennis Allen had this to say about the penalties. I don't know, don't know for sure. A um, couple of them uh, I'm not sure I agreed with, but, but certainly certainly that's something that we got to clean up because really we're beating ourselves. We're beating ourselves with penalties. We're beating ourselves turning the football over, um, and, and that's, that's got to stop. You think? Well, I didn't agree with it. Of course, most coaches aren't going to agree with penalties called against their team. But a team, I don't care what level of football it is, peewee, junior high, high school, JUCO, FCS, FBS, NFL, CFL, Arena League, XFL, Alliance, I don't care. If a team is committing boneheaded penalties, that's because they're not a well-coached team. I don't care what level of play it is. Because what happens if you're a well-coached team and you got a guy out there making knucklehead moves and committing knucklehead penalties, you bench that player, you discipline that player, and you fix the situation and you put somebody else in that won't commit a boneheaded penalty. That's how it works. Ask any coach at any level of football. There's always going to be calls that go against you. Uh, absolutely. Saints fans know this better than anyone. But if you're committing the type of penalties that they've been committing, that's a reflection of your team not being coached and being prepared. Plain and simple. And he's like, well, I don't know. Okie dokie. On, on top of everything, all the penalties being shut out in the first half, five, six, five times on their six, three and outs, they committed offensive penalties. Jameis, the turnovers, Camara, special teams with Lil, Will Lutz. It was all in all a paw ball day at the office. On top of everything, Mike Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Traquan Smith all suffer injuries during the game. And Dennis Allen gave us the update afterwards. Uh, Mike injured a toe. Uh, Jarvis injured his ankle. Um, looks like Traquan had a concussion. You know, so, um, you know, we were really down to, you know, kind of at the end there, we were really down to two receivers. So, um, We'll have to evaluate to see where everybody's at and how significant the injuries are and um, see where we go from there. Say it with me. Woof. This team, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I know it's early. It's early in the season. It's early in the morning. The Saints kind of suck. I, I hate to be that way. I hate to be negative. But as it stands right now, the Saints kind of suck. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one. 
update that poll question of the day you're listening to the game southwest louisiana sports station you're home for the lsu tigers and houston astros right, let's check in on the poll question of the day i'm sure there'll be sensible results <laughs> is it time to panic about the saints uh, after la- yesterday's disappointing disheartening and dreadful loss to the carolina panthers that team may fire their coach, by the way. That, that's the team you lost to. Oof. Is it time to panic about the Saints? 63% of you say yes. 24% say maybe. 13% say no. Mr. Green says, I feel called out, RP3 Sports. Saints had plenty of time to right the ship. I still think Jabo is a really good quarterback, but he needs to heal up. Carmichael is hot garbage. The O-line is holy holier than the Pope and AK needs to be more involved in the pass game which opens up the rush for him <laughs> fumbles but need to get greater emphasis in practice finally linebackers need to stuff the holes otherwise 200 yard rushers is just the start have a great day can't call today anyway because kids <laughs> oh man keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day is it time to panic about the Saints that's going to do it for hour number one hour number two Right around the bend. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Happiness abounds. Joy is everywhere for many football fans here in the state of Louisiana. Oh, wait, no. Eh, nah. Now, there is some joy. College ranks. Good weekend for LSU. Shutout win. Good win for the McNeese Cowboys. First win of the Gary Goff era. Taking down Mississippi College. We'll get to those, those good things that happened over the weekend. Not to worry. We're also going to talk about the Raging Cajuns. We talked all about the New Orleans Saints in hour number one. It was not a great weekend either for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns as they lost to ULM. That's right. The Warhawks took down the Raging Cajuns. Big questions going on there with the Cajuns as well. So, Tigers, Cowboys win. Saints, Cajuns lose. Houston Astros, this time of the year, what you're looking for is what exactly happened. They were able to get a split. Four-game split against the Baltimore Orioles. That's what you're looking for. Got to 100 wins. First team in the American League to reach 100 wins. Magic numbers only now a few games to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 
They fought off Baltimore. They got a split with the Orioles. Orioles play them extremely well, or as Kevin Foote would say, had their number this season. Probably don't want to see them at all. Probably don't want to see those Orioles. So Houston gets a split with Baltimore. They get to 100 wins. Magic number reduces for them to get home field advantage throughout the postseason as they come down the stretch run here for Major League Baseball. And playoff positioning has been kind of solidified, so to speak, here. Cleveland Guardians, you remember them as the Cleveland Indians, they won the Central over the weekend. So Cleveland's won the Central. Astros have won the West. Yankees have clinched a playoff berth, have yet to win the American League East. And the updated wildcard standings, as it stands today, no Aaron Judge record-setting home run against Boston. That'll have to wait. Blue Jays, they look like they're gonna they look like they're gonna take the number one spot for the wild card. As they won back to back games over the weekend. They hold a little bit of a cushion, two game cushion over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Mariners are right there, a half game behind the Rays for that third and final wild card spot. And they still have a four game lead on the Orioles. So Houston splitting actually helps Seattle especially with Seattle melting yesterday after leading like 10 to 3 something ridiculous they ended up losing that game Mariners got to kind of turn it around they're 3 and 7 in their last 10 now is not the time to fade down the stretch over in the National League Braves have already clinched the playoff spot they're 95 wins. They still have an opportunity to win the East as they're only just a hair back of the New York Mets. So baseball's coming down the home stretch. Good to see the Astros kind of rally over the weekend to, to get the split. But it was an up and down weekend for sure. <clears throat> McNeese wins, LSU wins. The Cajuns lose, the Saints lose. And the Saints look bad doing it. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? You forgot to say Erat's finest. Oh, oh, my bad. Let me try that again. (laughs) Uh, And also Alabama wins. Let's not forget that. But anyway, we Does it really count when you play Vanderbilt? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> just just say it, I mean, Just say it. What team is good, I mean, these days? I mean, other than Alabama, I mean, you could play, let's say, Georgia, Clinton. They're still going to say that Alabama don't play nobody. But anyway, uh, I got a couple of questions for you. So, my first question is, when does the preseason end? Just a question out of curiosity. The NFL, I, I'm glad you brought that up. All, all joking aside, Martin. Okay. The NFL for the, through the first three weeks, the product has not been very good from top to bottom. The games haven't been all that good. 
the the teams look like they're sleepwalking. It, it, it looks like having one less preseason game is impacting that and guys not practicing during the preseason because it has been sloppy. It has not been a great product that has been presented to us for the first three weeks of the season. Right, right. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, the whole NFL season is a, a walking comedian show, you know, but I still like to watch a little bit of comedy every once in a while, you know. Uh, but uh, another thing, uh, when is it going to be safe for the Saints fans to break out them brown paper bags again? You know, I, I know they haven't used them in a while, you know, just to, uh, you know, kind of wipe off the dust off of them a little bit, you know, because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't I, and I praise Jameis Winston. I said, maybe Jameis Winston's going to come around this year. Maybe. Let me give this guy a little bit of credit. Now he's making me look like an idiot, you know, even though I am an idiot because I'm a Cowboys fan. But anyway, uh, I don't think he's the answer. Uh, I don't think Dennis Allen's the answer. I mean, this is going to be a long, long season for them Saints fans. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. And now, another thing, when are people going to stop overlooking the, the Miami Dolphins? The Miami Dolphins are three and Their their coach is younger than me. I don't know if y'all know that, but their coach is younger than me. And he's got this team playing at that at, at some top level football right now. You know, I mean, Tua got hurt. You know, granted, you know he didn't put up 400 yards, but he ain't gonna do that every game. And I and I understand that. You know, but. Like I keep saying, don't sleep on this Miami Dolphins team because they, they, they got a good, solid team. And, I mean, they beat the supposed Super Bowl contender Buffalo Bills yesterday. So, I mean, that should open some people's eyes right now. You know? I got you, brother. I appreciate the phone call, Martin. Enjoy your day, my friend. Yes, sir. We them girls. <laughs> yes, Dallas plays New York, by the way, on Monday Night Football. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. The, the product itself for the NFL has looked bad. And, look, it, it may be time to credit Miami. They're 3-0. and And they beat Buffalo. The reaction by the offensive coordinator, Dorsey, of smashing his stuff because Josh Allen threw it in the dirt on the final play of the game, that was phenomenal. That's, that's going to become a meme and a gift for the ages. <laughs> He's just picture of him in the press box. He just starts violently crushing the desk, smashing his tablet, having an absolute fit because Josh Allen did not did not make a wise decision. Did not have his best game. Credit Miami. They're playing tough. They're playing well. They got something cooking down there. The defense is pretty good too. Miami's off to a good start. Philadelphia's off to a good start, even though I hate to say it because, well, I'm a Washington fan, so I dislike everyone in my division, and Philly is an easy team to dislike. But credit the Eagles. They look really good. But once again, it's been a weird start to the season. It's been a weird start to the season. The Green Bay-Tampa Bay game was almost unwatchable. 14 to 13 or 14 to 12 was the final score in that game. Oh, oh, awful. Kansas City lost to Indianapolis, a winless Colts team. And the Chiefs looked bad against Indy. Just did. 
Just did. It's been a weird start to the season for the National Football League. Overall. But for Saints fans, and the Chargers lost yesterday. A trendy pick. Los Angeles Chargers been a trendy pick to make it to the AFC Championship game or be a Super Bowl contender, and they lost to Jacksonville. I did find that amusing, though, yesterday. Someone tweeted out that Doug Peterson now has, is now fifth all-time on the Jacksonville Jaguars all-time win list, surpassing Urban Meyer, (laughs) who was fired after one year. (laughs) It's pretty good. Oh, Herb. Oh, Herb. But Saints, I don't know, man. Where do you go? Where do you go if you're the Saints? You got to do something. You have to figure something out. Because, look, we can we can talk all about Jameis all day long. And we can focus on the quarterback. But the offensive line is not fixed. They struggle in picking up the blitz. Jameis struggles with picking up the blitz. They're committing stupid penalties. Pete Carmichael is calling Awful games. But this team is getting outcoached. Not only are they being outplayed, they're being outcoached. And that's a bigger concern if you're a Saints fan. You can make a change at quarterback. Great. Jameis is hurt with the four stress fractures and coming off the surgery and having something now wrong with his ankle. Okay, great. Make the change. Put in the red rifle. Put in the ginger. Let him work his magic. Veteran quarterback. Okay. Do you believe that's going to fix all the, these the, the, this team's problems? Because if you understand football, that won't fix all the problems. It's not going to fix the offensive line not picking up blitzes. It's not going to uh, fix the offensive line not blocking properly. It's not going to fix Will Lutz missing kicks. It's not going to fix the defense giving up 100-yard rushers. It's not going to fix drops. It's not going to fix bad play calling. This team doesn't look well coached. Doesn't look well coached. And that's the biggest thing. I think that's the biggest surprise is that the team doesn't look like they're prepared. They don't look like the Saints got outcoached yesterday by Matt Rule. The New Orleans Saints were outcoached yesterday by Matt Rule. That's not optimal. Not optimal. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Paul, to the show. Paul, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Oh, glorious morning. Go Yankees. Definitely got to start off with that, so... My fellow Yankee brother. All right, let's talk about these sorry saints. You know, first of all, you said the poll question of the week. That's the poll question of the week. Where do the saints go from here? That's the poll question. Now, show you something. Yeah, she said something that was great. Outcoached. Outcoached. I've been saying it from day one that D.A. is not the guy. We saw him in Raiders. Everybody went against me. He ain't the guy. 
But everyone's bad with the Raiders, Paul. You can't look at what they've done for the last 20 years. Name me one successful coach for the Raiders. Name you me can't. one with the doggone Saints. Well, Sean Before Payton was. Sean Payton came. Well, but Sean, Paul, Sean Payton we was there for like 15 years, though. I'm, I'm just but I'm this, saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But check this. Before Sean Payton came, who was the Saints? Let's be honest. Okay. Raiders had championships on, on their resume already. John Madden and whoever. You know what I mean? They have their ups and downs. But who were the Saints before Sean Payton came? Sean Payton took a Saints team and put them on the map. D.A. went to an organization. Did he put them on the map? No. What has D.A. done to say that he's that he does, he deserves credit? You just said they got our coach. Yeah. He ain't the guy. And he don't hold his people accountability. He don't know how to make adjustments. Being a head coach, you got to be able to do some of these things now, man. Even the other guy that's calling plays. But, but he was but with Paul, Sean Payton too, but, right? But, but Paul, so how was Paul, that working Paul, with Sean Payton? Paul, time when out. They time out. Paul, they Paul, time out. Time out. Time out. No one knew that Sean Payton was going to be a good head coach before he got the job. I agree. Okay. So, yeah, and and DA, look, I think I think it's right to question whether or not he was qualified for the job. Okay. I, I don't I don't disagree there. Okay. But to say, you know, I, every everyone struggles with the Raiders, man. Everyone has struggled for the Raiders for the better part of 20 years. So I don't know if you can hold that against okay. a, a, against okay. DA and say, well, okay, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to do that, Paul. It, 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 it's, it, it's hard to do that to base on say, hey, you failed before, so you're going to fail again. I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you struggled at your job 15 years ago, would it be fair to say that you're going to struggle again now? Well, he's not me. No, he's not me. no, but he that's my point. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to fail. That's just me. It is what it is. Now, I've seen what I've seen in the guy. That's just me. So everything you're making about the Raiders and D.A. and over there, that's the same thing you say about the Saints. Same thing until that one guy came and he changed life. Now, he said, Sean Payton said, he left the Saints in a better position than when he got it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Okay. I, 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 I agree. They're, they're struggling. And I've been saying we've got so much problems, and they are not the guys to fix the problem. And it starts from on on down, but it also starts with your coaches. And they're not doing the, their job. Let's put it that way. They're not doing their job. And it's affecting the players. And you see what, the, what you're getting on the field. So, yeah, i, I got to agree with that Red Sox fan. I hate to say it. You might as well get the brown bags back. We look like we're going backwards to be the Aints instead of the Saints. Plain and simple, man. Oh, they're this not going to be brown bags. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Because Paul, 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 calm down. It is 7:20 on the morning in the morning on a Monday. You got your blood pressure up. You're making me concerned. Hannah's over here. She's feeling like she's got to call the EMTs. You're acting like foot. I need you to calm down for a second. Bring it down. Bring it down. Yeah, Yankees. Yeah, Yankees already clinched the playoff berth. Come on, bud. Come, come on. Bring it down back. That's down. all the joy I got. That's all the joy. There you I got go. Right now. now what I think is going to happen, and, and what's going to be more frustrating, okay? You, 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 there's almost part of you or part of Saints fans that would just love to see them, you know, just go ahead and just be awful, right? But here's the problem. Here's the problem. This is what's going to happen. They're going to mess around and win like seven or eight games, right? So they're not going to be terrible, but they're going to be. They're not going to be a playoff team. Or, and here's the other thing: even if they are terrible this year, Paul. Mm. Their first round draft pick is to someone else next year. 
Mm. So, 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 so the first round pick is gone, bud. It is done. It was traded away. So now let me show you something here. You're not even going to get it. Nah, exactly. So it's downhill for me. I keep telling you, you agree with me. Okay, cool. (laughs) You're making my point. And I'm going to show we stuck with DA. We stuck with him for at least three years because they're not going to fire that dude after two, three years. No, I'm going to say when two years, you see this here, they're not going to fire him. We stuck with him. We stuck with that trash. They're not going to sit up there and fire him. We were stuck with Jim Haslett. He won coach of the year his first year, and it went down here. We stayed with him until Sean yep. Payton came. Five years. So this is what we've seen. This is what we're getting. Well, and you so, only got Sean Payton because of the hurricane, by the way. I mean, think about it that way if you want to look back. Would Haslett been fired if it wasn't been for Hurricane Katrina and how bad they were? No, 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 no. That had nothing, the hurricane had nothing to do with that. Jimmy, uh, what's his name? Jerry Jones didn't want him. So, and Parcells had left, remember? No, so I'm saying, but I'm saying like Hazlitt. If, 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 if Katrina oh, didn't happen, the Saints could have very well been like a seven and nine team and Hazlitt would have kept his job. Think about that for um, a second. Yeah, that is true. I didn't think about that. That would have been even worse. Lord Jesus. But, man, I'm just saying, man, there got to be some changes being made. We've seen what we, this product on the field. This is one thing I like about Philadelphia fans. And I was just getting into it with my cousin all night about this. I can't stand for losers and losing mentality. Saints fans is okay with excuses. And, all okay, they sold the Saints a product that was a lie, and I kept saying it. What's on paper and getting these guys. And they're like, oh, man, you know, it's a good season. I believe in championships or bust. That's me. And they keep coming up with these injuries, excuses of this. That's, when you fall for the, the okay dog about injuries and all this, they're making these excuses, you're overlooking what the real problem is. So I'm not buying, oh, this injured or because of this, this, and that. Man, I'm not trying to hear that. The coaches will have a job to do. Make adjustments, prepare those guys with a, a better game plan. And they are not doing none of that, and they're trying to sell me some product. Philadelphia fans don't take their teams losing well. You know what I mean? They react. You know, they, they stop supporting or whatever. You get other fans too. Saints fans is okay, and they still going to support. Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's gonna get better. You know, well, I, Paul, well, I don't. I, look, I'm gonna have to interject because I'm I'm up against a break for one and two. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing bad. is, not not everyone's that way. I mean, I do think some of the fan base is that way. Some of the bandwagon fans are that way more than likely. But you got some diehards, and you know that you got some diehards that get angry about the team. But I appreciate the phone call, brother. All right, thank you, Enjoy dog. your yeah. day, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Too late. <laughs> 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 okay. Paul's like, eh, I'm not going to enjoy this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not enjoying this. I am not a happy man. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and Company coming up on this delightful, joyous Monday here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. LSU, after starting off the season with a disappointing loss to Florida State inside the Caesar Superdome, 
They've gone on to win three straight games and improved to three and one as they take down the Lobos of New Mexico, 38 to nothing inside Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. They're three and one, and they head over to the Plains to take on an Auburn team that, well, struggled to beat Mizzou. Should be an interesting game. They could be firing their coach this week or next week. Yay. But LSU seems to have gotten something. Jaden Daniels, he gets injured in the game, but he had a very efficient night, 24 of 29 for 279 yards. He also connected with 10 different wide receivers. He sure does seem like he's getting a better grasp of this offense. The reshuffling of the line has helped in the last couple of games. And... Brian Kelly talked about the injury those suffered to his quarterback and also having Jack Besh, the former STM Cougar star, back there at punt returner. Jaden strained his lower back. Um, he could have went back in, um, but there was no need at that time of the game. So, um, you know, he was cleared by the doctors, so he's good. Yeah, you know, we've been he's, – uh, he's fearless. Maybe he should, you know, there, there was a time maybe he could have put his hand up on a fair catch, but we love his spirit. Um, he makes us better back there, and um, it was great to get him involved um, and, and being part of our offense. Brian Kelly trying to get Jack Besh involved any way he can. He is a playmaker. We've seen that. You know, anyone that covered him in high school saw that, whether it was in basketball or football. And he's definitely been making an impact for LSU. So just a mild back strain for Jaden Daniels. He could have came back into the game. They decided to rest him to save him up for the road trip to Auburn. Makes a lot of sense. You want to be cautious there. Especially how much Garrett Nussmeyer struggled when he came in during the Southern game. You want to make sure Jaden is healthy and good to go. That said, the defense, as good as the offense was, going up and down the field, the defense really, really looked good. Now, once again, it's New Mexico. I get all that. You don't want to, you know, go overboard, but they looked good, looked good against Southern. They shut down the air raid offense against Mississippi State, and they shut out New Mexico. Kelly talked about you know, how good this defense is headed. Well, we're getting pressure, obviously. That's huge, right, from a, from a four-man front, um, playing on-body coverage, uh, and, and we're tackling. Right, we're running sideline to sideline. Um, you know, Baskerville's helping. You know, Harold is helping a, a, a bunch, and we're getting really consistent inside play now. If you remember the Florida State game, we, we did not tackle very well. Uh, we were not on body in the secondary. We have, we obviously have addressed those things. So, I think we can continue to get better. I don't know that if you ask Matt that that was his, our best performance. Um, we can play better, and that's a good thing. So I think we're trending in the right direction. They're trending in the right direction, but they did get a couple guys get banged up and been banged up the last couple weeks, and we got an update on B.J. Ogilari's injury. It's the patella um, that that uh, we, we work out on Saturdays, and uh, when we went through our workouts, it was just cranky, and there was no sense – especially in the position that he had. Um, he was not going to get a ton of work uh, where we had him in the jack position. Um, 
you know, he had he had QB, and as you saw, the ball was going out on the perimeter, or they were running dive. So we just thought it was best that we we rest him and and get him a hundred percent. Once again, you're playing New Mexico. You can get away with that. They know they're going to need BJ though moving forward, right? You're going to need him healthy for the heart of the SEC schedule. So another week of rest, probably not a bad idea, right? Probably the 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 best decision. And then Kelly also gave us an injury update on Goodwin and Major Burns. Amani was a hamstring, um, so you know we're hopeful that 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 clears itself. Um, major uh, major situation is probably one where he's going to be lost probably for anywhere from three to six weeks uh, with the um, uh, an upper neck injury um there there was uh no you know any i don't want to get into the specifics when you talk about a neck injury but um he's been cleared by you know all of the doctors but it's going to need some rest um but it's probably going to take between three and six weeks before we can get him back out on the field three to six weeks with a neck injury that's a big loss he was a leader kind of the anchor of that secondary with all of his experience in his leadership, that's a big hit for LSU to have to deal with, especially as they start getting into the heart of their SEC play. But the Tigers do get the win, and that's all that matters as they improve to 3-1 and one on the season. Getting closer and closer to maybe being a top 25 team, Florida State now is. They're undefeated, by the way. Seminoles have not lost a game, and they're now ranked in the top 25. So could see LSU maybe creep in there in a couple weeks if they keep winning we got to take a timeout. when we return here on rp3 and company we'll talk about more about those tigers with jeff palermo co-host of tiger rag radio and the sports director of the louisiana radio network he joins us next right here on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. You know, we have stand-up individuals come on this show routinely. And our first guest today is one of those guys. He's a pro's pro. Sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He co-hosts Tiger Rag Radio. He does high school games. He does Southland Conference games. And he also is a professional enough to put up with my shenanigans when I text him sarcasm and try to throw him off his game. And he just takes it in stride. It's our good friend Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning. Hey, Raymond. How's it going today? <laughs> well, bud, I got a lot of people uh, that have called into the show. They're not too happy about them Saints. So it's been pretty no. good so far. No, no. <laughs> Were these the same people that saying that Sean Payton needed to go and Drew Brees, he needed to retire? <laughs> oh, oh, brother. Brother, it's not. Oof. It's, it's, it's not good. It's not yeah. good. Let's, let's, let's focus in on what is good. How about LSU? <laughs> Three in a row, I get it, it's against New Mexico. I understand that, okay? But Florida State looks like they're a better team than we thought they were, right? They're 4-0. They're now ranked in the top 25. And since then, they've beaten Southern. They shut down Mike Leach's air raid offense in the SEC opener. And then 
They shut out New Mexico. What's your big takeaway so far through four games of the Brian Kelly era? A team that's improving. A team that um, looks at various issues that they have with their personnel and makes adjustments. And more times than not, those adjustments are paying off. And even if they have a few injuries, uh, they're not beating the beat, uh, missing a beat. I, I think improvement is the big word. I, I think that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> the, probably some of those fans that are, you know, burying the Saints today, uh, a lot of people are burying the, this LSU football team after just one game, a tough loss to Florida State in Brian Kelly's first game as the head coach and questioning, well, why did we hire this guy? Well, I think you're seeing why LSU has hired this guy, and I agree. Uh, The competition is going to be much more difficult, especially once they get past uh, this Saturday's game at Auburn, that uh, this is a a veteran coaching staff, an experienced coaching staff that's going to make some changes um, and is going to figure out ways to to improve the team. And it it really – they were – they were play. They play. I think they played nearly as good as they could potentially play uh, on Saturday. Yeah, you, you would have thought maybe they could have scored more than 17 points in the first half, but still, it, it wasn't. This was a team that was really, especially defensively, uh, firing on all cylinders to hold a team to just two first downs in college football. That's that's a that's an amazing stat right there. Yeah, only two first downs. What less than 100 yards. Yeah, in in, yeah. in the game, which is kind of ridiculous. I see improvement. I see things really clicking with Jaden Daniels. Brian Kelly said afterwards that he could have came back into the game, but they decided to hold him out with the, the back strain. Any concern moving forward, though, or no? Well, I think any time a coach talks about injuries, you can't take it 100% truth, right? <laughs> and we already know that uh, Brian Kelly kind of he wants to use the whole quarterback who's playing and who's not playing. He wants to use that as an advantage on his end. So I'm not saying that Jaden Daniels is hurt more than what Brian Kelly let on Saturday night, but I am saying you can't always believe a coach when they are talking about injuries. Um, so if if he's you know at the moment, who knows? Yeah, Jaden Daniels could have came back in. Uh, maybe the adrenaline was going. Who knows how he woke up yesterday, how he's feeling today. We're talking about a back injury. You know, those are things that sometimes maybe you're feeling okay after you first sustain it just because you're kind of loose and you got the adrenaline going and you're playing in the game. But then once you sleep on it and it stiffens up, maybe it's worse than it is. We'll We'll hear what Coach Brian Kelly has to say today. Maybe maybe it isn't. Maybe it is just uh, a non-issue, uh, and it allowed them to get Garrett Nussmeyer in. But again, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't believe coaches a hundred percent all the time when it comes to injuries. Then again, we really haven't heard of anything of this being any kind of any more serious than what Coach Kelly let on on Saturday night. You know, speaking of the injuries, though, let's talk about guys that were held out of Saturday's game, which, once again, lopsided affair. They didn't need them, but B.J. Ojolari was kept out for essentially rest to, to still recover from his injury. 
We also find out that Major Burns is going to miss three to six weeks. He's got a neck issue. That's a bit of a bit of a hit for this team. Uh, defense has played extremely well, especially the last three weeks. Uh, how big of a deal is it with BJ still not playing, and how big of a deal is having Major going to miss probably half the season? Well, we saw B.J. Ojolari not play a game against Southern and then came back and played really well against right. Mississippi State and was named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. So I'm assuming here on this, this, this was another game where they looked at New Mexico, said, you know what, we don't need B.J. in this game. We're going to need him in this stretch of six consecutive SEC games more, so let's hold him out. Uh, Major Burns was playing um, at a – you said Major Burns, right? Yes. That was the yeah. other one you were talking about, Raymond? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay, okay. Just trying <laughs> losing track here. But uh, because he had Major Burns and he had Jay Ward, you know, not not out there. So uh, there is uh, some good news here. Joe Fucha comes back this comes week back. or yeah. return or put, makes his debut. His four-game suspension for academic reasons uh, related to his transfer from Arkansas to LSU. So that's good. So you're getting another guy there to help out, but uh, tell you, Greg Brooks has really played bad, really played well in that secondary. I mean, I mean, I started this off by talking about some of the adjustments that this coaching staff has made, and getting Brooks out there and moving Jay Ward into the to the slot position. I mean, it, it really has solidified that uh, that secondary. And then you got Seven Banks back this week, that helped too. So. Um, yeah, you had a little bit of depth uh, in the defensive secondary, so um, I think that uh, I, I think um, they were. I, I think they'll be okay, uh, especially going into this Saturday's game against Auburn, which is just a. Uh, it's amazing where that program is at right now, just how bad they are. So, um, yeah, I, I think they can make it through at least this week uh, with this. Uh, with a with a banged up group, uh, you hope they um, can stay away from some more injuries and can be as close to full health as possible when they play Tennessee in a couple of weeks. Well, Jeff, that leads me to to my final question. You know, uh, Auburn, their head coach is on the hot seat. They needed overtime to beat a mediocre or bad Missouri team uh, over the weekend. How important is it for Brian Kelly? to go onto the road, get that first SEC road win, get this team to be 4-1, and one, because then comes the gauntlet, right? It's yeah. Tennessee, then it's at Florida, then it's back home for Ole Miss. Those are going to be three really tough games in the bye week, and then, of course, Alabama. So uh, he, he, the heart and the meat and the tough uh, part of the schedule is coming up. How important is it for the Tigers to get that win Saturday against Auburn? Um, it's important, and I think you just got to get the victory. I mean, even if it's an ugly victory, you really can't afford to stub your toe against Auburn. I mean, this is a team that's and a program that's basically down and out at the moment on its third-string quarterback. Coach Harson's lucky to still have a a job at the today. I mean, they should have lost to Missouri, and based on what Bruce Feldman was reporting over the weekend, that if they had lost that game to Mizzou, Harson was out. So he's lucky to even have this job, but this is a crazy series, uh, Raymond. We've seen crazy things happen. Um, you know, last week's, last year's game between these two teams was a was a wild affair where LSU uh, treated Bo Nix like Johnny Manziel or 
Bo Nix turned into Johnny Menzel, the Texas A&M version of Johnny Menzel, and played the game of his life to beat LSU. So you just you just want to get this win. If it's a if it's an ugly win, so be it. Okay, uh, gives it gives the coaches a chance to make some of those corrections heading into a a big game against Tennessee the following week. Just just get the win. You suffer a loss here. And it really, it really sets you back for this season. Uh, this is about as close of a layup as you're going to get when it comes to playing against another team in the SEC West this Saturday. You, you better make it and not uh, have that ball rip, <laughs> fall off the rim and you lose this game because, like I say, it really, really sets you back. Because right now, I mean, I think there's a good chance that this team can win nine games and you lose a game against Auburn. Man, it. It, it, it would really put a bad bad taste in your mouth. Jeff, appreciate your time as always. Brother, have a tremendous week, and we'll talk to you on Monday, my friend. All right, Raymond. Thank you. That's Jeff Plarimo from the Louisiana Radio Network and co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. Whew. Hey, y'all be safe out there this morning. You know some traffic is out there. You know road construction is always a deal in Louisiana. School Getting to school. I know my wife, Tina's taking the little one, Hattie, to school right now. They're stuck in traffic. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. Get mentally prepared to go to school and dominate. That's what my daughter does every day. She wakes up, she goes, today, domination. Domination. I'm telling you, man, she's a rock star. And she she's far better at school than I was. <laughs> I can I can tell you this. She she won't be hosting Sports Talk Radio when she grows up. Let's just say that. We got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number two. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you or a contractor that you've hired is there to say, Dig a hole to put in a brand new swimming pool or new fence, privacy or chain link. It really doesn't matter. Or it could be some minor landscaping. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. And what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to remind you, call 811 and know it's below before you dig. Let's check in in the poll question of the day. We ask you, is it time to panic about the Saints? Right now, 70% of you say yes. 18% say maybe. 12% say no. Brad on Twitter says, I agree. If Winston is in that much pain, and I think we can all see that he is, they need to bench him until he's 100%. He's hurting the team right now. Hart on Twitter says, this just shows how elite Drew was at changing protections at the line from reading defenses to quickly getting rid of the ball. The most frustrating thing is that they have all the talent to be a great team, but have been their own worst enemy with costly mistakes. The offensive penalties have been brutal. The play calling has been awful. They can't pick up blitzes. The offensive line in Winston don't know how to pick up blitzes. That's a concern. 
That's a concern. But as I've said before, we can focus on Jameis because he's the quarterback. I get it. We can focus on everything. This team doesn't look well-coached. They don't look like they're a well-coached team. That's a concern. Sorry. Ralph says, yep, other posters have nailed the obvious problems. You know it's bad when your clutch kicker starts missing, starts at the top, and I'm afraid Dennis Allen is in over his head. Pete Carmichael was an OC and title only. His game plans are horrible, horrible. And then he shares a gif of someone hitting the panic button. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three. We'll kick it off with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News talking all things NFL. That's next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The NFL has been a weird place first three weeks of the season it will wrap up tonight with monday night football between the cowboys and the giants you can listen to that game live right here on the game courtesy of westwood one but it has just been kind of bizarro land teams have looked sloppy games have been just kind of bad to watch a lot of them and the results have been all over the place They just have been. Who had the Colts beating the Chiefs? Who had the Raiders starting off 0-3? Who had the Chargers losing to the Jaguars? Did you watch any of what was, for the most part, a miserable game to watch between the 49ers and the Broncos? It's been a bit of an off start to the NFL season. But things should ramp up. Things should get better. To give us some perspective, as a man who covers the National Football League for the Sporting News, our old friend Vinny Iyer joins us now. Vinny, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good morning to you. I'm doing great, bud. Thank you. Good morning to you as well. So, um, 11-10 to 10 was our Sunday night football game result between the 49ers and the Broncos. I, I want to start with Denver. Because so much was made about getting Russell Wilson and how much better this offense was going to be and how everything was just going to start to take off because Denver had all the pieces there. They just needed the quarterback. They're winning more games than they're losing through three weeks. But, man, it has been kind of painful to watch Denver, especially on offense. What's not clicking for Russell Wilson and the Broncos early on here? Well, I think they're just not doing what he does best, and that's letting him extend plays, get the ball downfield. And when they did score their touchdown, that's what they kind of did is yeah. they let Russell do his thing. I mean, it was a little bit of playground football and move around and let him try to get the ball downfield, and they didn't do that. And I think they're insistent on playing in a certain way, making sure everyone gets their equal touches and snaps in this offense. Well, at some point, you got to streamline and go through the best players that you have. And 
I think you got to use Javante Williams a little bit more. you got to figure out a way to get Jerry Judy open when Cortland Sutton is covered. There's a lot of issues there. you got to use your tight end a little bit better. They have a very talented tight end there in Albert O from Missouri. So use some diversity, some creativity. Let your quarterback move around a little bit. Use his athleticism to make plays. And when they did that on one drive, it was successful, and they scored, and they won. So, look, it's a work in progress. I think Wilson, just like any quarterback, I mean, he's tried to push himself into different systems. He had that system that didn't work out in Seattle that basically caused him to leave Seattle. And then you come here and try to mash up your old system with a Packers-like system that Aaron Rodgers has used and different coaches there. It's hard. So you need time to do the install. And I think you see that with the Raiders as well is that very complicated offense you might have all the shiny new pieces but you got to put everything together and have like a harmonious system and you don't have that quite in Denver it's funny they're two and one (laughs) and I see the Bears at two and one these are two of the worst offenses I've seen in a long time to start a season and both teams are two and one and it's shocking and that's part of the surprises of the early season schedule Chargers, they fall to the Jaguars. It really wasn't close. I know Herbert is injured. Uh, What's the concern level? Once again, it's early about Los Angeles, which was a trendy pick to at least make it maybe to the AFC championship game or be a contender in the AFC this year. I think Chargers fans know this. Uh, They can have nice things. Right when the promise is there, what's happened? J.C. Jackson, ankle injury, didn't play. Joey Bosa, Injuries are growing in the game. You lose your left tackle, Rashawn Slater, who's one of the top five in the game at his position. You lose all these guys. Keenan Allen already has not played. You you lose another receiver in the game, Jalen Guyton. We had some plans for it to spread the field. So all of a sudden the Chargers are looking really thin. They look like a loaded team with all these guys, including Bosa and Jackson, Cleo Mack coming in. But now they're starting to get depleted. And this is kind of, the conundrum that Chargers fans go through. I mean, they're probably just asking it's going to be a matter of time until Derwin James probably gets hurt, to get hurt again. So it, it just is a little bit terrible out there. They can't run the ball. I think everyone knows what they're trying to do, throw the ball downfield all the time. Austin Eckler hasn't been what we've seen in recent years. They can't run the ball traditionally here. So there's a lot of issues with the Chargers and their defense. I mean, they're banking on their defense in a breakout season, but – when you don't have Jackson, when you don't have Bosa, that's a big weight on both your run and pass defense. We're talking with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. He covers the National Football League. Let's stay in the uh, stay in the AFC, rather, Vinny, and let's go to the AFC North. I, I felt before the start of the season that I, I think Cincinnati would be in the mix, but I liked Baltimore's chances, if healthy, to maybe even win that division. Lamar Jackson and company, they're playing well, and he, you, man, he's going he's gonna to get paid in the offseason. But what do you make early on with the AFC North? What have you seen? I think the Ravens, I mean, save for one bad, really bad fourth quarter against the Dolphins, I mean, they would be a very dominant team in the AFC, and they get the Bills next week. So it'll be interesting to see that matchup, to see how Buffalo rebounds from loss to Miami, where the Ravens just had that just to – couple weeks ago so that's going to be a great game and tell us a lot about the AFC so you look at the Ravens I mean Lamar Jackson has just taken it to another level he's taking over the team they don't really have a running game their offensive line is not great but 
what is he doing? He's just throwing downfield, making plays with his legs, doing whatever he needs to do. Big play guy. So Lamar has just been outstanding. He's the early MVP favorite, I think. And then you look at uh, their defense, look, it's a work in progress. They have a lot of new guys back there, but you saw the impact there of the secondary, what they can do. Force the turnovers. Kyle Hamilton, the rookie from Notre Dame, he had the big fumble, forced fumble there at the end of the game against the Patriots. So you look at defense starting to make plays, starting to figure out their pass rush. Ravens are starting to become a scary, complete team if they can get their running game going. Let's talk about Buffalo because Miami, who's beaten Baltimore and then beat Buffalo yesterday to be 3-0, and by the way, uh, Buffalo kind of bogged down. What was it about Miami's game plan that frustrated the Bills so much that their offensive coordinator broke a tablet in the in the booth? Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, the Dolphins are relentless in blitzing, and teams have kind of gone away from that because there's this kind of thought that, hey, you blitz these quarterbacks, they're going to pick you apart with the one-on-one. So it'll be very interesting to see this week against Joe Burrow, short week, I think the Bengals righted themselves a little bit, if the Dolphins blitz him because he just destroys the blitz. And Josh Allen was known to do that too, but they had good timing. They kind of got the stops they needed to. So it was well-executed situational defense. And I think that's what the Dolphins are going to be about. Can they play situationally? And you've seen the first three games. What have you had? You've had a blowout where they've been able to just control everything. And you had a big comeback. And then you had this game that was just ugly. But they made the plays in the critical stages that the Bills could not. So this, this is a sign of, it's a sign of a very well-coached team. I think Mike McDaniel, easy front runner to win coach of the year at this point. But I didn't expect his uh, impact to be that great. But you look at this team, I think they are defying convention. They're doing things that are necessary just to be ahead on the scoreboard in the end, and that's the only thing you're looking at. And I think a lot of teams just miss that. The bottom line is winning. The Dolphins are really knowing how to do it right now. Let's go over to the NFC, and let's stay in the state of Florida because Tampa loses to Green Bay in an ugly game. It's a 14-12 game. And the Bucks' defense is Super Bowl caliber. They are just salty, and they get after it. But, Vinny, the offense has looked pedestrian against Dallas. They had to settle for a bunch of field goals. They didn't look good against New Orleans, and they didn't look good again yesterday. What's wrong with Tampa's offense? Well, I think you just have a lot of things that you're adjusting to as well. You have no Donovan Smith at left tackle. You lost to Ryan Jensen for a while at center. You're breaking in a new guard as well who's hurt in the game. Everyone's a little bit banged up who is playing on that offensive line. And then you look at the receiving core. I mean, you had Mike Evans suspended, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, probably not going to play for a while the way things are going here in this offense. So Tom Brady's adjusting, and then he lost his buddy, Gronkowski, where that was a big underrated loss there. We know Gronk was older, but he was still being effective. Brady trusted him all over the field, and that's what you saw in that game is you saw Brady finally find his guy there in Russell Gage that he can trust, but you saw with Aaron Rodgers, he could be more comfortable there with the rookie Romeo Dubs and Alan Lazard. And Rodgers was just more in a comfort zone with all the changes around him. So that's what Tom Brady's trying to do. He's trying to fight through that. We know it wasn't the typical offseason for Brady because he retired and unretired, then he missed part of camp and preseason. So there's all that going on. So you can get on the same page with everyone on the second string here. So, 
I think it'll get better for the Bucks, but they have no time to rest here because they got to play Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes coming off a loss here in week four in primetime. So it's going to be tough. The schedule is very difficult for Tampa, but look, they know they have this division in their back pocket. We look at the Panthers, Falcons, and Saints. There's not a lot there. So they're just going to try to get better by the time they get into the playoffs. And for them, we've also seen that home field doesn't really matter all that much either for them. So I think it's all about just winning this division, which uh, they're going to get a free pass here, much like we saw of many years with uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots where they never had to worry about the AFC East. They could just get ready for when the playoffs came around. NFC East is the showcase game tonight on Monday Night Football, but I want to talk about the team that may be the best in the NFC period, and that's Philadelphia. What's working so well with the Eagles? Well, part of it is their schedule is favorable early. It's not to ourselves. I mean, I know there's uh, some things that you like what they're doing offensively, but you look at where they've started here, have some really bad defenses. They've played the Lions and Commanders in between. The Vikings, are, I think, are going to be up and down all season, but I think we saw really what they were there in week two against the Eagles and uh, didn't look all that great against the Lions. So they actually will continue it here because they get the Jaguars and Cardinals. These are two defenses that are not very good. So credit the Eagles, though. They stuck with Jalen Hurts. He's starting to pay off here with the receivers that they have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. You're starting to see that. Their defense is uh, rising to the occasion against these uh, bad offenses as well. So it'll be an interesting test this week. I would have never thought it was going to be the 3-0 and Eagles versus the 2-1-1 Jaguars, but I'm very intrigued about this game because you have Jalen Hurts balling, you have a Trevor Lawrence playing well, you got Doug Peterson in a revenge game against the Eagles. So all of a sudden this is getting to be one of the more intriguing games on the Week 4 schedule. Vinny, I'll get you out of here with this. It's only week three, but it already feels like we got some coaches on the hot seat. I keep hearing rumblings about Ron Rivera in Washington. Is he truly on the hot seat? I think you have to consider anybody that has a losing record and their team's not playing well. I mean, we put Matt Rule in that conversation. Ron Rivera's been there for a while. I think that's the thing is he had to be there a little while. And I think some – People are looking at Matt Eberflus and Nathaniel Hackett, but both these guys are two and one. So you can complain about what's going on, but they're still winning their games here. Same thing uh, with these newer coaches that they're getting used to their teams. But if you've been around for a while and you don't have results, uh, Ron Rivera is a good one. Matt Rule, his replacement in Carolina, I think those two guys are on the hot seat uh, really right away. And then I would say one new coach that probably is, and he had a closed door meeting with his owner, which is never good is uh, Josh McDaniels. I mean, this guy has already had a little bit of controversy with his hiring pass, with the Colts mess and all that. And you're the offensive guy. If you're an offensive guy, you get Devontae Adams, and you're not producing the offense you need. I mean, that's going to be a lot of concern for your ownership. So I'd say the older coaches, definitely Rivera and Rule are right there, that there are some concerns about their status. But definitely, I think you can start – McDaniels, I think just because he's a guy that has coached in this league before and has a bad connection to him, that if the Raiders continue to fall, free fall like this, uh, there's going to be maybe a one-and-done scenario there as well if it turns into the Urban Meyer situation. Vinny, appreciate your insight as always, brother. Keep up the tremendous work with the Sporting News. Thank you for your time, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one, RP3. Vinny, when I need NFL, that's my guy. That's my guy, because he can speak on all of it, all of it, just all of it. Phenomenal.
phenomenal stuff. And yeah, pay attention to the Raiders because if you're having closed door meetings with the owner after week three, not optimal. That's not optimal. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, we're going to go back to the college game. Going to hear from Gary Goff. Got his first win over the weekend as the McNeese head coach. We're going to hear from Coach Dez. His team lost to ULM. Polar opposite weekends for the Cowboys and the Cajuns. We'll talk about it next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Raging Cajuns go up and give up 14 unanswered points in the second half and fall to ULM 21-17. Raging Cajuns fall to 2-2 two two on the season. Back-to-back losses to Rice and now opening up conference play against ULM with an L as well. This team feels like it reminds me a lot of the team in Billy's first year when they fought and scraped and fought to get to seven wins and they got to the Cure Bowl and lost to Tulane. But it also feels a lot like, to me, the next to last year of Mark Hutzbeth. If you remember that year, they had a lot of off-the-field issues. Now, this team doesn't have off-the-field issues. I'm just reminding you what that team was like. But that team had to fight and get to six wins to get to the New Orleans Bowl. And, of course, they ended up losing to Southern Miss. And with losses to Rice and ULM, you now look at the Cajun schedule and you go, okay, uh, uh, winning the division is now up for grabs because they lost a divisional game. And they got South Alabama coming to town this weekend for homecoming. South Alabama is playing better than the Cajuns. You still got Troy. They very well could not win the division. That may happen. So then you look, okay, we go from them possibly playing for a conference championship, but maybe being an eight-win team, maybe they're only a six-win team. How are they going to get to six? Because they're two and two right now. They got South Alabama. They still got Troy on the schedule. They still got Marshall. That's at Marshall on a Wednesday night. They still got to go play Southern Miss, who upset Tulane. Over the weekend. Now, Southern Miss hasn't been playing well, but neither have the Cajuns. They just haven't. The Warhawks racked up 419 yards of total offense, including 227 on the ground. And the Raging Cajuns offense didn't look great. 21-17 loss to ULM. We said this game was going to be close. Remember, we talked about this on the program last week. Don't let the 70-point win from a couple years ago fool you that this was going to be a difficult 
test for the Cajuns on the road, but you expected them to be more focused. You expected them to play better. You expected them to win. They didn't. They didn't do any of those things. Coach Des talked afterwards and, you know, gave his thoughts about the loss to ULM. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's simple. You can't, you can't make those types of mistakes and, and expect to win a football game. I mean, that's, you know, it was just a self, you know, self-inflicted wounds that were just, you know, it was just egregious, you know. I mean, it's things that we never seen in practice, never seen happen, and, you know, you got to just go back to work and you got to quit killing yourself. So he's saying this stuff they're not seeing in practice that's occurring during the game. He said that last week as well. So why is there a disconnect? That's a, that's a big question. In Saturday's game, lots of bad snaps and mistakes, and that really, really cost them the game. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, they were they were they were pretty critical to say the least. Um, you know, I mean, bottom line is is you know you need to, we need to go finish drives on offense. Um, kicker hit him good this week, and we said, look, we're going to take points when we get them, and went out there. You know, think you're kicking a sure thing. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, those those things. I mean, they just they kill you. You know, I mean, you, you can't have those things happen and, and win football games. So, bad snaps and mistakes. Uh, they also had a moment there where the momentum kind of swung away from them, particularly in the first half when they were in control, and all of a sudden that momentum swung the other way. Yeah, you know, we came up a little bit short at the end of the first half. We ended up in some backed-up situations and, again, had some mistakes that backed ourselves up a little bit. Um, you know, I was pleased with the way we came out and started. You know, in the second half, we had opportunities. We, we just, you know, just left too many out there. ULM seizes control of the game, right, in the fourth quarter, and you waited for the Cajuns to kind of take it back. That never happened. They never got back into the game. They failed to do so. We had plenty of opportunities. I mean, you know, you get stops on defense and you do those things, but, you know, when you have special teams mishaps and, you know, holding penalties and things like that on first down, you get behind the sticks, you know. I mean, you just you, – you, you're just you're killing yourself and that's one of the things we talked about all week was playing for the momentum and, and really working hard to when those moments happen to capture it and run with it and you know in the first half we did a pretty good job of that and jumped out and then as the game went on we just you know we just kind of lost you know we just lost ourselves right there and you know it got to where you know it felt like we were pressing a little bit um, especially on the offensive side of the ball instead of just playing you know I mean just some mistakes that you know it's just unbelievable really. Yeah, the other big thing that stands out to me, <clears throat> the quarterback play has not been great. The defense has been suspect a little bit at times. And, and they're making these careless mistakes. That, that definitely stands out to me. But the big thing about this team, especially for those who have covered them, they can't run the football. They just can't. They don't have the skill set, whether it's the offensive line. And look, this is obvious that you're missing a guy who's a projected NFL draft prospect who's a starting offensive lineman for the University of Florida. You're also missing one of your running backs who's also a starter for the University of Florida. Billy took both of them with him. And a program at this size is struggling to be able to replace those guys. That's abundantly clear. And they can't run the football. Yeah, I mean, it, it played it played a pretty critical factor, you know, Um especially when you when you have a, a 10 point lead and you want to be able to mix some runs and passes and we really weren't able to do to run the ball very well um i knew that their front you know they had good players on the front but i, I certainly thought we'd be able to handle it a little bit better um you know didn't handle the movement well um and, and just 
you know, couldn't get them covered up and get anything going. So, you know, you have for us, we've had to we've run the ball effectively and that's helped build everything off of it. Um, you know, we had to throw it a little bit more in the end. And, you know, certainly when you have to throw it a lot, you know, you're going to have some mistakes in the throw game. Um, so, you know, we just got to get back to work, man. You know, I mean, we got to get back to to establishing the run and being good at running the football and building everything off of it and, you know, continue to build our passing game and make good decisions there and, and make sure we're, you know, like I said, I mean, you get you got chances to go out there and complete balls and, and keep drives going and, you know, you just you gotta you gotta you gotta execute in critical situations and we didn't do it again. And South Alabama comes to town for homecoming. This is a critical game for the Cajuns because South Al and Kane Womack, they're an emerging team. They're gonna they smell blood in the water here. They should have beat the Cajuns last year in Mobile. They didn't. They let that one get away from them. It kind of pissed them off, to be perfectly honest with you. They see a vulnerable Cajuns team. If Louisiana wants to have a chance to represent the West, they got to win on Saturday. They got to win on Saturday. Because South Al is going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, looking to have an opportunity to seize control of this division. Over in Lake Charles, the Meanese Cowboys, meanwhile, well, guess what? First win of the Gary Goff era. His first win as a Division I head coach. The Cowboys were really good on the ground. They had two players rush for over 100 yards. Durham and McMahon, 157-138 for each of those guys. And they easily, easily pulled away from Mississippi College for a 32-17 win. They get their first win of the season. And Gary Goff talked about afterwards just how proud he was of the team this entire week and throughout Saturday night's game. I can say this about the team, very proud of how they approached everything. Um, and, and honestly, all three weeks uh, up to this week, I mean, they, they've done a great job coming in early in the week and, and flipping the script and having a good attitude and working hard. And that's part of the process. Um, you know, sometimes the, the small victories that many don't see are, are, are very, very important when you're trying to, you know, develop something. And uh, I, I'm proud of them for that. I, I really am. I thought they had a great week of preparation. Um, they didn't panic in, in the game, and uh, there was a critical moment right there, you know, especially there in the uh, their third quarter, and um, the guys continued playing hard, one play at a time. So I'm very, very proud of the team for that. Proud of the effort, proud of the execution. Look, McNeese has been able to run the football all season long. The passing game has been what was missing, and we talked about it. Two guys with over 100 yards on the ground in this victory against Mississippi College. And Gary Goff, you know, talked about deciding to lean on that running game. We decided we're going to lean on the run game. If they're going to drop, you know, eight every play, then we're going to continue pounding the ball. And our offensive line, our running backs did a really good job in that area. See that we um, we rushed for 350. Yeah. You're going to win a lot of ball games if you're running for 350 yards. Knox Kadem, you know, didn't have to do a ton, right? The running game, 350 yards on the ground. That's a recipe for success, especially against a Division II opponent. But he also played a little bit better as well, looked a little bit cleaner, and this is what Golf had to say about his signal caller. Here's what I love about Knox. When you challenge him and you really get after him, he thrives off of it. And me and him's had a joke going on for the last you know week about my son is a phenomenal young man, and he's so laid back. Sometimes he get my son going, I got to just, you know, jerk a knot in his tail. And I told Knox, that, you're just like my son, aren't you? He goes, yes, sir. I go, okay. All right, you're going to poke the bear every day then, you know. But uh, he, he does. He's got some good poise. He really does. You can't rattle the young man. 
Um, and, and, and that's what I really like about him. He never looks at you like he's lost or, or, or ashamed because he made a mistake. I mean, he, he's engaging. He looks at you and, and, and says, yes, sir, I'll, I'll fix it. So, um, you know, we still got to get better. But, you know, I, I am encouraged by him. And defensively, after, you know, look, they, they didn't play terrible defense against Alcorn State. They had short fields to deal with. And the, the offense put them in a bad spot. But defensively, they did a very nice job, especially making adjustments against that triple option offense of the Choctaws. Mississippi College is that team that just doesn't stop. They keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding. Um, and they had some explosive plays. But uh, honestly, I thought our defense did a great job. Um, you know, and, and what they do, they got answers to all the problems, right? And, and I thought our defense did a good job making some adjustments and uh, coming up with some critical stops there. Uh, especially in the second half. So McNeese gets the dub. They're going to go on the road this week to take on Incarnate Word. I do know. I think it's Nichols this week. No, it's Nichols. They go on the road to take on Nichols this week in Southland Conference action. They're looking to make it two in a row, two wins in a row for the Cowboys. The Cajuns. They get to host South Alabama, and they desperately need to win. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to go back and talking about the Saints, which has dominated the conversation this morning. We'll do so with our friend Logan Grafia. He'll join us for the Big Easy Blitz. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. It's time for us to talk to WLAE-TV's Logan Grafia here on the Big Easy Blitz. All right, Logan, let's get right to it. Is this a well-coached New Orleans Saints team? Plain and simple, no, it's not. Not at all. It's just Dennis Allen is looking like the Dennis Allen that was coaching the Oakland Raiders all those years ago. And he's even... Looking like the modern day Jim Haslett did. All of Saints fans know and love. And I mean, if he doesn't change something up soon, I mean, he could be out of here very, very quickly. I just when I watch this team play through three games, and look, it's a small, it's a small sample size. I understand that, okay. But I see a team that doesn't appear to be prepared. I see a team that's committing dumb penalties, especially in offense. Yesterday, five of their six three-and-outs featured an offensive penalty. Five of the six. And the play calling isn't good. And this team just doesn't look focused. And they're getting out-coached by the Atlanta Falcons and getting out-coached by Matt Rule and the Panthers. I'm surprised by that. It's just, it's been ugly all around. And when I... Me and my actual, me and my boss and my coworkers was actually talking about this after the game yesterday, because we went to the practices and he literally said, "This is what you get when you have those soft when you practice soft." And I started thinking about, like, wow, thinking back to it, they did kind of practice soft, and I've seen high school teams practice harder than they practiced this summer. 
I get it. You don't want to get hurt during training camp or anything, but looking back at it, those were some very soft run practices, and you're seeing the product from that. You practice soft, you're going to play soft. And the one game that we won, we shouldn't know. I mean, it's the Atlanta Falcons, and we we should be 0-3 right now, and that's not good to say. So it's just Dennis Allen is doing a very poor coaching job, and the product that you're seeing is the product of his coaching job. So I don't know. I mean, it's only three games into the season. I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. I mean, I'm getting kind of close, but the next game isn't going to be any easier. I mean, Minnesota, I mean, we all the same trends, but historically Minnesota has always whooped our tails game in and game out outside of, like, you know, the Saints Christmas game against them where Camaro scored six and uh, the game where we beat the heck out of Brett Favre to go to the bowl. But outside of that, Minnesota has always historically beat us. So, if we lose against Minnesota, then it might be time to hit the panic button already and maybe make some personnel changes, do something, because what what we are doing right now isn't working. This team cannot read blitzes, which is a little concerning to me through three games. Now, part of that has to fall on Winston. Part of that has to fall on Carmichael and the plays he calls. And part of that also has to fall on McCoy and the offensive line. Because that's all Carolina did yesterday. They were just like, all right, well, we're just going to blitz. And, and they couldn't read it. That's just, you know, football one-on-one. How alarming is that, that they can't read blitzes? That is very alarming because if you think about it, we hired Doug Mahone for this purpose that helped the offensive line get better and identify the blitzes. And, I mean, offensive, looking back on film, the offensive line – Actually, a pretty darn good job yesterday outside of just a few, couple or a few plays. But even you can overload an offensive line and you're going to get sacked. I mean, there's only so many guys that can block. I mean, there's going to be a blitz is going to get through every now and then. It, it happens. But Jameis has to do a better job of picking that up. I mean, you can even see. He shouldn't even be out there for one, but it is just very concerning that they've been in the, he's been in this league since 2015, and he still can't, you know, read or pick up a blitz. And the only time that we picked up a blitz, we get a flag thrown us for Ingram going for a chop block, and it, it's just it's getting up. It's very ugly what we're seeing. Logan, in addition, adding injury to insult, losing the game to a, a bad to mediocre Carolina Panthers team that looks like they're going to fire their coach maybe by the end of the season, is the fact that Michael Thomas injures his toe and Jarvis Landry gets injured and Traquan Smith gets a concussion. So three three of the wide receivers get injured in this game. Ah. I, and and with such the quick turnaround, with having to play in London this week, uh, a Sunday morning, could they be out all three of those guys for the game against the Vikings? It's quite possible, but I mean, I know Michael Thomas since he's been out for so long. I 
kind of expect him to try to give it a go if he can because I know it's just a, a toe injury, but, I mean, a toe is a big part of those cuts that you make when you run those routes. So it's going to be probably a pain factor for him, and we don't even really know the extent for of the injury of Jarvis Landry yet. And that's uh, and then Traquan, he's been a hit or miss since we drafted him. So him being injured, I, I'm not surprised. It doesn't mean he, he – He's been injured every year since we had him, and I don't mean to be rude by saying that, but it's just a fact. So it's it's going to be very interesting who we throw out there against Minnesota in London. So I don't know who's going to play. I don't know who's not going to play. It's just we're getting into scary territory right now. And if Michael Thomas can give it a go, I would hope. Because if he can't, then we're kind of down to, you know, just Chris Olave, who's, who's fantastic, by the way. Then you have Marcus Calloway, Deontay Hardy. You, you get into the bottom of the barrel, and then you're at a point where you might have to call someone back up like Dejon Dixon, who we just cut from the practice squad uh, a couple weeks ago. So you're getting to the bottom of the barrel very quickly, and it's a, only week four. We're talking with Logan Graffia of WLAE-TV. He joins us here for the Big Easy Blitz. You know, the, the other thing that stands out to me besides not being able to pick up the blitzes and the offensive line still struggling and Winston struggling and the play calling being bad is we were told tight end, tight end, tight end. And I don't know if it's they're just not using the position properly or they're not using it enough or the way the game flows. Tight end does not seem to even be a position that's even on this roster or part of the offensive game plan. I know it's only three games, but I'm surprised by how little they're utilizing their tight ends. It is very surprising, but I went back. They actually showed a replay yesterday during the Carolina game, if I'm not mistaken, that Adam Chapman was wide open on one play, like he was wide open, and Jameis didn't even see him. He sailed it. He sailed a pass over a receiver's head. I mean, they're out there. They're out there running routes. It's just I don't think Jameis is seeing Troutman out there. And Ugh. they hit, they actually hit Nick Vanette on a short route yesterday. That's the first time I've ever seen Nick Vanette actually out there and catching a pass. And the other tight end, I mean, Taysom, he wasn't even out there playing yesterday, so – and we don't. We barely even actually consider him a tight end. So tight end is something that was on my worry list. It wasn't. It was in my top five, but not my top three. But you can see tight end. I think you have to get them more involved if you can. You might have to in this Minnesota game if you're going to be down to you know your number four, number five, and number six receivers again like last year. So I think. I mean. You just got to do something to get uh, maybe Troutman involved because you traded a bunch of draft picks away during that draft to get him. So show me something, please. Logan, we'll wrap it up with this. Jameis has the stretch fractures, now has the bad ankle, is coming off a season where he had to have surgery and a season ended. And he's looked hurt, he's looked injured, he's he's not looked like the same guy that played last year before he got injured. Do the Saints need to make a change at quarterback and go with the 34-year-old red rifle, Andy Dalton? 
people are going to hate me for saying this, but yeah, I, I think they need to play Andy Dalton. And I know Dennis Allen said they're not going to make a quarterback change, which is very poor decision on him. But Jameis is not the, doesn't give you the best chance to win right now. You can clearly see he he's a wounded duck out there. He, he is playing probably at forty percent healthy right now, and he's playing with the same injury that. Tony Romo had all those years ago, and he Tony Romo only played one game that season where Dak took over for him. But Andy Dalton, I think, gives this team the best chance to win right now because if you look at it, Jameis's touchdown to INT ratio it's four to five, four touchdowns, five interceptions. That is that good. That's looking more like the thirty for thirty Jameis that we all have seen like a few years ago. So. I think if this team wants to win in Minnesota, they should play Andy Dalton. But if they don't, then that's just poor decision-making on them. Logan, appreciate your time as always. Brother, keep up the great work that you're doing there with WLAE TV, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. They're going to have to make the move to the Red Rifle. I I don't think 34-, 35-year-old Andy Dalton – is a better option than a healthy Jameis Winston. I do not. But you're paying them all that money to come in. The offenses look putrid. Jameis is not. You heard Logan break it down. Adam Troutman was wide open. Didn't have a man covering him yesterday's game. Jameis didn't see him. He didn't see him. I know other guys have been warriors and have fought through back fractures. I get all that. But everyone's built differently. Just because one player is able to fight through the pain and play well with injury doesn't mean everyone can. Once again, we forget Jameis is coming off a season where he had his season stopped short because of a shredded knee. So he's coming off rehab. He didn't even really practice all that much during training camp. So he's rusty. He's coming off an injury. Now he's got four stress fractures in his back. He's in immense pain. Now he's got an ankle injury. He's not reading blitzes. They're not picking him up. He's not going through his progressions. If you feel like you're a playoff team, you feel like you're a contender, how much longer are you going to have the offense be putrid without trying to shake things up? I'm not willing to hit the panic button yet. But the question needs to start being asked. we got to take a timeout. Final one of today's show. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Week three of the NFL season will be wrapped up tonight with Monday Night Football as the Cowboys take on the rival Giants. Pre-game begins at 7 o'clock, kickoff set for right before 7.30. You can listen to all the exciting action right here on The Game, your home for the National Football League. I want to take a moment to thank our guests, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, and Logan Graffia for the Big Easy Blitz. Final results of the poll question of the day. Is it time to panic for the New Orleans Saints? They're now one and two, and they've looked bad in all three games. Is it time to panic about the Saints? 67% of you said yes. 17% say maybe. 16% say no. Want to thank all who called. Want to thank all who left their comments. Darren, you know I got none but love for you, D. But you can't be commenting the last minute of the show. Not going to get read. <laughs> you got to get those comments in earlier, brother. So I can read them on the air. Can't be coming in late like that. 
Can't be coming in late like that. But thank you to all of you for helping make us part of your morning commute. We appreciate that. We'll do it all again tomorrow morning, 6 to 9. But for the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III. Until then, y'all be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.